I suppose I don't know if your grandma had a garden, but I love the image there of all the things that grandma was trying to help grow in her family that she was passing down through the generations. You know, one of my grandmas, my grandma Thorwall was an avid gardener, and it's funny how there are things that I would always see in her garden, certain plants that she loved, that when I see them anywhere else, it's like, what are you doing with grandma's flowers? <laughs> you know, those, those belong to grandma, like that's just her, you know? And yet so many things from her life as well that I've learned from her, you know, that she taught to my dad, who taught to me, and how those things go down through the generations. And so I hope today as we share this time, it is, it is both a chance to celebrate mom, you know, maybe you're getting a chance to spend some time with mom today. You know, maybe you're remembering mom fondly and the things that she shared with you. Maybe you are mom. Maybe you are grandma. And I hope you're feeling celebrated today. Because as we jump into this piece of the Bible, God has this unique moment where he calls out a mom and a grandma to celebrate them and to honor them. And yet, we'll also see this apostle, one of the most famous people in the Bible, and this young man, his protege, who's being built to be a leader, and how their strength of faith is actually coming from mom and grandma. And so I want to show you this. It actually comes from a book of the Bible that we call Second Timothy, which is because it's the second letter written to a man named Timothy. And we don't know much about Timothy beyond these two letters that were written to him by the one we know as the apostle Paul. But Timothy is being developed to be a leader, one of the key leaders in the earliest days of Jesus' church. And so you would look at Timothy and say, well, where did he get his faith from? Well, it's got to be from Paul. Because Paul, the apostle, right? Like he's writing letters to everyone in the church that that thing is expanding globally. And thousands of years later, we're still reading Paul's words because he wrote half the New Testament, so if he has taken a personal mentorship with Timothy, clearly Timothy must have gotten his faith from Paul. Except <laughs> when you read his second letter to Timothy, as he describes who God is, how thankful he is to God for his blessings, then right on the first page, in the first couple of paragraphs, Paul feels like he's got to put this in there. He says, I remember you in my prayers night and day. So that shows you how much he cares about Timothy. He's thinking about him all the time, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears. So Timothy, I know the challenges and the difficulties you're going through, and I feel it too, but that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith, like the kind of faith that will never give up on you, the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded is in you also. So Paul actually says that the strength of Timothy's faith is something that he learned from mom and grandma. And I love that he calls them by name here because it just shows you the personal touch in the Bible. Like from a distance, it so much can feel like, I think the Ten Commandments in there and I'm not sure what else. Maybe something about heaven or hell. But when you actually open this book, you see how God is so connected to the lives of real people, personal people, and their families, that Paul, on the very pages of Scripture, celebrates and honors Grandma Lois, Mom Eunice, even as he tries to encourage Timothy about the faith that he has learned from them. And this word, remember, 
that actually is like a key word in the Bible. So again, you think about like key concepts, key words like sin and righteousness and good and bad and God and Jesus. Yeah, another one is remember because most of what goes wrong for people in the Bible is when they forget who God is, what he's done for them, what he wants for them and from them. And so really the, the word remember is not just like remember where I'm supposed to be for lunch today. It's not just remembering facts or data. The word remember carries this idea of giving proper place and respect to someone who has set you up for success. To remember that history. And so throughout the Bible for God's people that means remembering God. Giving him proper place and respect because he is the one who set them up for success. Who taught them his commandments that make life go well. Who blesses them. Who gives them his joy and his peace. And now Paul is saying, I remember your mom and your grandma the same way. So let's honor them. And so essentially the way that you can honor mom is when you take time to remember mom's influence. Now, of course, we all have different moms. Our experience with our mom might be differently. I mean, I love my mom. And there are definitely things that I hope someday when I grow up, (laughs) I'll be just like mom. And there's other places we don't see eye to eye, right, all the time. You know, there's, I'm sure, places that she's made mistakes, places that I've made mistakes. And so we know that really there is no perfect parent, right? In fact, one of the most comforting things I've ever heard about parenting, I, I don't know where he got it from, but I heard it from Chad. God, God the Father, is the only perfect parent. And all of his children rebelled. <laughs> wow, that kind of puts it into perspective. Because I'm one of them, right? And so now I'm a dad, and it's like, oh, I can tell you right away, I'm not the perfect parent. And yet... There's still much that we can honor and celebrate. There's still so much that we can look at and say, hey, what are those good things that I remember about mom? What are those good things that when I call her today, I'm going to celebrate her for? And, and that's part of what Paul is doing here with Timothy. And so maybe you, it's, it's remembering, maybe when you were a kid, like uh, our, our, our worship leader, Neil, was telling me, for him, it was like whenever he built something really cool out of Lego, well, you got to show mom, right? Mom, look at this cool thing I made. Because you know mom is going to be there to tell you, great job. You know, I saw uh, our, our own kids. One of my boys uh, fell in the gym yesterday. Going to get that nasty floor burn that's like, yeah, that's going to sting for a while. And so dad's question is, you good though? Like we're going to keep playing, right? So he needs to go to mom. Because <laughs> mom's going to say, oh, sweetie, let's find some ointment and a Band-Aid. And then you can keep playing. I'm like, oh, sorry. So not that all dads are, are as clueless as I am, but you know mom's going to comfort you. You know, or maybe it's uh, when your kids are little, mom, and they draw that picture of you, and you're looking at it like, is this what I look like to you? <laughs> I, I mean, it's beautiful, and it goes on the fridge, right? Because it says I love mommy on it, and that's just a sweet moment. And you know, as the years go on, it can feel like those moments fade, Right? Like, I know that my mom was, was, had these keepsakes that when I was a teenager or a young adult, and you act like, Mom. Like, but there was that time he drew that picture of me. 
than how many of us it takes until we're like in our 30s to realize, actually, mom and dad were, were probably onto something. For all the imperfections, they're pretty nice people and I know they love me. You know, I remember like for me, sixth grade was like one of the hardest years of my life so far. And it wasn't so much the school, it was just like emotional stuff and friend stuff. But I remember how I could come home and my mom would sit on the couch next to me and tell me like, it's going to be okay. And she would just listen to me, talk about it, and then she would pray with me and remind me that she loves me and God loves me. You know, those words of encouragement that sometimes it seems like only a mom can give. And we can honor them for that. In fact, the history of Mother's Day as a holiday actually came from a woman named Anne Jarvis who was trying to honor her mom, whose name was also Anne. And I thought this was really interesting because if I had to guess before looking this up, if I had to guess, I would have thought, you know, somebody somewhere realized we aren't being nice enough to our moms and so they got like a whole bunch of people together and they marched on Washington and said, we got to honor moms and they need a day and, you know, whatever. But actually it was just one woman who knew her mom wasn't perfect, but loved her for the things her mom did for her and said, I want to honor my mom. And so she's got her birthday and I could take her to coffee on Saturday, but you know what? Today I'm setting aside just for mom. So you guys are all special, but today is Mother's Day. And the idea took. And so that was actually the late 1800s. It was the early 1900s when it became an official holiday and since then has spread worldwide. And it's funny because... Uh, Ann Jarvis, who started the whole thing, was a little bit annoyed by the holiday aspect of it because she was afraid that it would make people forget about mom all year as long as they give her flowers on Mother's Day, right? Like, guilty. <laughs> Been there. Okay. All right, it happens. But that really her purpose was to take time to slow down and think about the people who have invested in us and how we can be thankful and honor them. And so can I just say to all the moms who are listening today, thank you. Thank you for being compassionate when we needed it, for being patient when we were extremely frustrating and annoying, <laughs> for giving grace when we probably feel like we didn't deserve it and we came to mom just hoping. Thank you for loving us. Whatever your relationship with your mom is like or has been like or with your kids is like, I just want to say that on behalf of all you moms today, we are thankful for the work that you put into it and for the love that you put into it. Because that's what Paul's doing with Timothy. That's what God is showing us through this, is that there's a moment to say, Mom, I want to honor you. And I think what's really critical here, notice that what he honors them for, back in verse 5, very specifically he says, the genuine faith that is in you which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. So for all of the other things that he could have said, hey, I remember how uh, every year on your birthday, mom said she would make you whatever you want for dinner, and she made you that beef stew. That, that was me. I was like, and you come home from school, it's like you could smell it. It's been in the crock pot all day. I'm having beef stew, right? He could have put that. He could have talked about the time Timothy skinned his knee and Eunice was there for him. But the one thing, for all the things that Eunice and Lois probably got right and probably got wrong, the one thing he calls out is the genuine faith. And I think this is kind of interesting because the word for grandmother here in this ancient Greek is actually pronounced mame. 
I just thought that was kind of funny because for us, mommy is my mom, right? But Timothy would be calling Lois, mommy, mommy Lois. So that's just free information. You can use that however you want. Tell somebody at your Mother's Day lunch today, you know, actually the, uh, the ancient Greek for grandmother. Um, you won't impress them, but it will keep the conversation going. <laughs> but it's the only place. This is why I point this out. It's the only place that that word is used in the entire New Testament. The entire part of the Bible that was originally written in Greek, that's the only place that word comes up. Because Paul wants to celebrate someone who's passing on genuine faith. And that word genuine, it's basically the antonym of hypocrisy. So this is not the faith that, the faith that dresses itself up on the weekend and then is a totally different person all week long. This is not the faith that is legalistic and just trying to follow the rules and be ritualistic because I think I'm supposed to and I hope God's not mad at me. When he talks about genuine faith, he means that these are two women who knew God, loved God, and were doing their best to live that out with God every day. Right? The idea was that Timothy could look at mom and grandma and actually see this faith lived out. From generation to generation. And so I think part of what Paul is encouraging us here is to build a generational faith. You know, we think a lot about building generational wealth. Like, what can I pass on to my kids and maybe even to their kids? How can I set them up for success in the future? And if you've done any parenting in like the last 50 years, you know that as soon as you have kids, everything in your life like revolves around that child. Your calendar is out the window, right? Like, uh, I mean, this, this was us too, but I think about how many parents it's like, well, I guess I'll just see them in 20 years because this is what the calendar used to look like. But nap time is 10 o'clock. So everything's canceled. <laughs> see you in 20 years when the naps are done, right? They could probably nap at 10.30. Or it's probably more flexible than it looks. But it's coaching this thing and running to that thing and driving them over here. And we're spending money on this thing. And like everything becomes about those children as we're trying to build into them and give them every opportunity to experience all the things that maybe we did or we wish we could or the things we did and the things we wish they could. And now, man, think about taking all the things that you did in 25 years before having kids and adding everything you wished you could do. We put a lot of energy. And what Paul's saying is, hey, don't forget, part of that energy, maybe the most important part, is building into generational faith. I've felt kind of uh, almost spoiled in my own life because as he talks about Lois and Eunice, I want to tell you about Vicky and Shirley. Vicky is my mom and Shirley is my grandma Hewer, and you can see them here. And they are two people that have definitely had that kind of faith impact on me. And you know, about a year ago I got to go and visit my grandma. So she's out in California um, so you land in San Francisco before you drive over to Turlock. And I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. So there's, depending on what time of year you go, you know, from, from Chicago or Cincinnati, it's like you take off in ice and snow and you land in palm trees and fruit and like flowers. And every, it's like summer again when you get off the plane. And so about a year ago when I got there, it had been a while since I'd been to her house. Like she'd been coming this direction and now I finally got to go see her again. And man, the flashback as you walk up that sidewalk and at her house, you know, you can smell the, the orange tree blossoming and there's lemons in the back and you open that door and you step into grandma's living room and like the smell 
the aroma and the nostalgia that there's just nothing quite like being at grandma's house, you know? And so since it was just me making that trip, I had a lot of time just to, just to chat with her and ask her about stories. You know, tell me about days gone by and what it was like when you were a little girl. Like, I just love to hear those things. And one of the things I realized I'd never asked her, even though like every time we visited as kids, you know, uh, grandma and grandpa took us to church with them and, you know, they would pray with us at meals and they were always talking about God. You know, I knew they had Bibles, but I'd never asked her, hey, what's your favorite Bible passage? I mean, I figure you make it into your 90s and you've been trying to follow Christ for decades. There must be something in there that's pretty good that you're holding on to. So I said, Grandma, what is your favorite passage in the Bible? And she said, Psalm 34. And it hit me like a ton of bricks because I don't know what I expected, but Psalm 34, I love Psalm 34. Grandma loves the same one as me. And I realized my mom is the one who first showed me Psalm 34. A day, a season really, when I was just having a ton of anxiety and fear. And my mom said, I want to read something to you. And she read me Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Man, that's in there? I need that. And so I've loved that psalm ever since. And so in this moment to realize I got Psalm 34 from mom and mom got it from her mom. And really, all of us got it from God. And so if you're, if you're uh, acutely aware, you may notice that I put my Bible down over here and then I picked up another Bible from over here. Well, there's a specific reason for that. Because this Bible was actually given to me by Grandma and Grandpa Hewer on their 50th wedding anniversary. And they put right on the cover, Drew and Melissa, that's, that's me and my wife, because they wanted us to always remember where they found the strength and joy for 50 plus years of marriage. And so when I read Psalm 34 out of this Bible, it's like I can feel the faith of the generations moving forward in my own life. My wife was fortunate to have a, a somewhat similar experience. And I remember when I first met Melissa, and just as I was falling in love with her and so many things I loved about her, and one of the things was that she is just a kind person, just kind-hearted, always trying to think about being nice to everyone else. Are they having a nice time? Like, is anybody hurt or need help? Um, it's one of the things that just makes her the best mom in the world. And as I got to spend more time with her, well, then eventually you meet the parents, right? And so when I met Deanne, her mom here on the left, I thought, oh my goodness, like this is where Melissa gets it from. <laughs> because her mom is the person who is always trying to make sure that everybody else here is having a good time. Like, is everybody having fun? Because I've got more ideas for even more fun if you guys need to have more fun. Is everybody having, like she's always just focused on other people. And then as I got to know them better, spend more time with the family, then I got to meet Grandma Hawbaker here in the middle. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is where Deanne gets it from. And it's just been so amazing to see how some of those godly characteristics are passed from generation to generation to generation. And, and Grandma Hawbaker is just one of the most fun people to talk to. Again, you ask people about their life stories, it's like she will just have you in stitches with the stories that she can tell. Some things that are just amazing, some things that are just funny. 
And you know, maybe as you hear that, you think, hashtag good for you, man. <laughs> Glad you feel like you have generational faith going on there. Maybe you didn't experience it the way that I did. But here's part of what I think Paul's encouragement is here. Maybe as you hear that, you feel like, that's me. I- I- I'm the grandma. You know, that's me. I- I- I'm the one. I'm trying to pass that down. You know, maybe you feel that from Timothy's perspective. I- I'm Timothy. I'm-, I'm realizing I have a mom and a grandma or a grandpa or people who have been investing in my life in that way. You know, but maybe you're thinking, I didn't have that. Maybe I can be the first. That there will be a, a Deanne or a Melissa or whoever it is in your life that will be looking back through those years and asking you, hey, hey, what was that thing that you learned from God that you've been holding on to so tightly for all these years? Because I think I need that thing. You know, maybe the generational faith actually starts with you. Because as Paul continues to write this letter, one of the remarkable things that he does is it's almost like we've honored mom and grandma, we've honored their faith, But he says he sees the same faith in Timothy. That there's a moment that Timothy, who is kind of the stand-in for all of us, right? Because maybe you're a mom, maybe you're a grandma here today, and you're just totally locked in. But a lot of us are not moms and grandmas. In fact, Paul himself, not married, no kids. And what's his takeaway for Timothy? He's basically telling him, you've got to own your own faith for yourself. In fact, this is how he puts it in in what we label as chapter three of the letter, but it's just about two pages later. He says, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. I love how fine a point Paul puts on this now. Right? He's saying it's not just enough to say, well, my mom and my grandma have faith, so I'm sure, like, I mean, I don't talk to God, but when I get to heaven, I'll just be like, take my mom's word for it. Right? Like, no, he's saying, Timothy, you need to continue in this. You've got to own this. You can't always live off of mom's faith and grandma's faith. You need to have your own genuine faith growing in your life. You can get to know God personally. And you notice that he doesn't just leave it sort of as a vague, Timothy, I want you to realize that God is out there somewhere. It's not a vague, God is love, I've heard that somewhere, and so as long as I try to be a good person, hopefully he'll do me a few favors, and then if heaven and hell are real, hopefully when I meet him, like, I will have done good enough. Like, could you imagine if that was the close of this letter? Like, how, how vague and unhelpful that would be. But Paul wants to be very specific. He says, the thing I want you to continue in is what you've learned since you were a child. And again, for some of us, it's like, oh yeah, I remember mom praying with me and reading the Bible with me. And I remember grandma saying this and bringing us to church. You know, for some of us, like, I'm totally Timothy. I can remember what were those things I picked up as a child that maybe now I'm really thinking about for the first time. Or maybe I've thought about it a lot, but I've never understood it this way. And for others of us, it might be a little bit more like there's just an inkling, just, just the tiniest memory that there was somebody somewhere when I was a kid trying to let me know that God loved me. And that for all the mistakes that I might have made in my life or would make someday, there was a God who loved me enough to come and die for me so that I could be forgiven and live with him forever. 
Like that is how much God loves you. He was willing to die and rise from the dead so that he could hang out with you forever. That's how cool you are. That's how God sees you. You see, so what he's saying is, it's not just to think about this Bible stuff and go to church once in a while. He wants you to know the secret of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Because that's the main message of the entire Bible. And in fact, in kind of a strange way, that becomes kind of the main message of the Bible for parents. So if you're a parent, I don't know if you feel this, but I feel this. Like, even, even my own wife, like, she's amazing. And I'll tell her, like, you're an amazing mom. And then she always answers with something like, no, I'm not because. Like, I wish I did this better. I wish I did more of that. I probably got that wrong. And who knows? And even as you're planning ahead, am I getting the right things? And you know what? I do that too. I think we all feel that, right? Because you want to do a great job. And so totally, I have those times where I'm, I'm laying in bed at night and I'm staring up into the dark like, well, I think I've already ruined it. <laughs> Dear Lord, what do I do, you know? And for me, I, I, I feel this pressure, like, I want to be the best dad. And so one of the things that will, kind of in a weird way, trip me up is you see these books, right? And it's like 21 tips to being a better dad or better mom, or, you know, whatever it is, right? Like, oh, thank goodness, somebody figured it out. And you read the whole book, and I'm highlighting things, and I'm dog-earing some of the pages, and then I'm taking some notes. Like, all right, I'm ready. Starting tomorrow, I'm going to be a good dad. And then six months later, you see that book sitting on the pile, and it's like, oh, man, I forgot. Oh, wow, is this all the stuff I was supposed to be doing? I can't even remember all of this stuff. And Oh, good news. The author just came out with another book, <laughs> 22 Tips to Being a Good Dad, right? And I tell you, man, like one of the heaviest guilts in my life is that stack of books that tells me I'm not doing good enough and that these are all the 22 things from 38 books that if I was only doing these things, then I'd finally get it right, and then my kids would be who I want them to be. And Here's the kind of sweet way I think the Bible simplifies this for us. What he's showing that Lois did for Eunice and Eunice did for Timothy, like the number one goal of the mom, of the parent, is to help my children find faith in Jesus. And in some ways, that feels even heavier than the big stack of books, right? And yet, it's so simple. It's just one thing. That if I direct them to God, then God is going to walk this journey of life with them. And even as I say that, here's part of the, the grace that God offers to us. Because I feel that. Like, if there's nothing more important to me than that my kids would know and love Jesus themselves. But my youngest is turning 10 today, actually. Which is crazy. But guess what? In each of my children's lives and over the last 10 years of his life, you know what I've discovered? It doesn't matter what I want for him. He doesn't have to obey me. <laughs> he doesn't have to do what I've asked him to do. Just because I want it doesn't mean it happens. And in fact, like going back to that idea that God's the perfect parent and all of his kids rebelled, like that takes some of the pressure off. Because none of us can force anybody else to explore God in their life to trust him or to follow him. But the encouragement I want to give you today, and I think the encouragement that Paul is giving us, is that while I can't do it for them, I do want to live my faith before them. That part of what he is telling Timothy now 
is if this faith is your own, if you're going to pass this on, you have to actually live what you've learned. Right? That the genuine faith that shows up in their day-to-day life, that when I make mistakes, I'm willing to own them and I'm willing to ask God, how do we do this different? How do we do this better? That when I learn what grace is like from him, I extend that to them. I mean, some of the ways that it describes God as a father, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He doesn't always accuse, which that's like, that's one I've been chewing on lately. Like, man, am I always correcting or do I make sure that I'm also catching them doing good things, saying, hey, nice job. I mean, these are the kinds of things that God paints the picture of what it looks like to live our faith out in front of the next generation. Live what you've learned. And I'm encouraged by Paul's example because, again, he has no kids of his own, and yet he's still investing in that next generation. And so I think this is the thing that is like for all of us today, whether you are a mom or you are a grandma, whether you have kids or whether you don't, am I living what I'm learning from God? I've really enjoyed a a cool example of this over the last couple of years because I met a young couple here at Horizon, Zach and Jordan. And when I met Zach and Jordan, they had just gotten engaged. So they were looking forward to marriage and, and just kind of the fun things that were ahead in their life. And so as I talked to them, I said, well, hey, you know, one of the things that I think is like critically important is that a husband and a wife are really on the same page spiritually. And so we talked about that a little bit. And for Jordan, she just gushed about her mom and how her mom was always the person that brought us to church. And when she thinks of what it looks like to have a, a, a connection with God, she pictures her mom, Sue. And some of you probably actually know Sue. She volunteers around here. She helps out with uh, memorial services and things. Just a very sweet person, always smiling. And for Jordan, it's like, I think that's where I first found faith. Like, like I picked that up from my mom. Well, talking to Zach, it was a little bit different. Zach was more in a place where he felt like he was exploring what faith was like. You know, that he knew that God was out there, but he wasn't sure he felt comfortable talking to him. And yet, there was somebody in his life. Grandma Phyllis. It was his Grandma Phil that he knew, like, if anybody knows God, my grandma knows God. And so I might still be figuring out prayer, but I know things I want prayed for. And if you want someone to pray for something, you got to tell Grandma Phil because she's going to pray. In fact, she had this catchy saying that you always want to keep God in your back pocket. And she didn't mean like, so you can just take him out when you need him and then put him away. What she meant was that he's always with you. That there's never a moment of crisis or challenge or celebration where you're going to be like, oh man, I think I left my God at home. No, he's always with you. You can talk to him anytime. And that was the first real picture Zach got of what it looked like to just have a relationship with God. That I don't have to say the right words. I don't have to think the right thing. I can just start talking to him about whatever's on my heart. And so it's been really cool as the two of them have been growing together Uh, Because now, just the other day I was talking to them because they want to do the child dedication here at Horizon. As they are now looking at how not only they grow in their own faith, but how do we make a promise to ourselves and to our kids and to our family that we want to lead our kids to understand faith in God as well. And that's really one of our core values here at Horizon. We have a number of different values, but one of them is family. And I know that families can look different. You know, some families are blended, some families have kids, some families don't, some families are close, some families aren't. 
But God in the Bible uses this picture that when you put your faith in Christ, when you trust him as your savior and forgiver, when you tell him that, you're adopted into God's family. And so there's this picture of family that he gives us that really carries this idea of passing our faith to that next generation. And so the reason that's a value for us is because we want to help you grow in your relationship with God. We also want to help your kids, your family, grow in their relationship with God. And we want to help you help your kids, your grandkids, your family grow in a relationship with God. And so really the kind of the last word that Paul gives Timothy on this topic, I love this phrase that he uses. He tells Timothy to stir up genuine faith. That it's not just some moment I said that I believe in God and I, I, I drop like a little bit of faith flavor into my drink, but it sort of settles to the bottom and I don't taste it anymore. No, he's like, this is the best part. Mix that thing up. Stir it around. Let it permeate everything in your life that you are living a genuine faith. Not because you're perfect. Not because you get all things right. Remember, that's not how it was defined. But the idea that you're truly learning to know and love God and live with him from day to day. That's what Paul wants to stir up. And that's what we want to stir up for our families. And so I want to give you just a couple specific ways that you might do that. You know, maybe there's something that God is putting on your heart today. And you're just like, hey man, you can stop right now. I know and I'm on it. But if not, here's a couple that I would encourage you to think about. Maybe as you listen today, you're like, Lois, that's me. I'm Lois. Eunice, hey, that's me. I'm Eunice. I'm Timothy. But maybe you're Paul. Maybe you're Paul and you're thinking, I almost skipped today because I don't have kids of my own. But maybe like Paul, one of the most famous men in world history, you want to invest in other people's kids, in that next generation, the kind of faith that you have. Now, I can't tell you how important it is to me as a dad that there are other adults speaking truth about God into their lives. And so I would love it. You know, if you were interested in volunteering with our students here at Horizon or in East Station with the younger kids to help pass on that kind of faith. Or maybe you're thinking about it within your own household. A couple simple things that uh, my wife actually started with our family is when we leave Horizon, whether it's in the car if we're all together or at lunch when we get home, just to ask them, hey, what did you guys talk about today? And one, you find out if they were listening. <laughs> but, but two, there's always something that kind of cuts through the clutter that they're like, this is the thing I learned that often for me becomes the thing I meditate on all week long. And I think sometimes we hold back from those conversations because it can feel intimidating to have spiritual conversations. What if my kid asks me something I don't know the answer to? Hey, good news. I don't know all the answers either. But a lot of them are in here. And so it really comes back to that idea that I've got to be investing in my own faith. And so I would encourage you, one time, sometimes the simplest place to start, download a Bible app. Maybe something like the Blue Letter Bible. They have reading tracks in there that just start getting you into this book to see what God might teach you, what he might say to you. And, and give yourself a lot of grace. If you miss a day, don't give up, just as long as you're moving forward and spending that time with him. So I'd like to pray for you, and then the band is going to play for us one more song that really celebrates some of those characteristics of mom. The way they can be a hero. The way that they love us. And so if you're a mom here today, I want you to hear this as a song about you. If you're celebrating your mom today, maybe you hear this as a song about her. But I also want you to hear it as an example of how God is the perfect parent. The best example of love and comfort.
Let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much for your love in our lives. We thank you that you are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Lord, that you do not always accuse, you do not harbor anger forever, but that you know our frame, you remember that we're dust, that we're only human and you are patient with us. Lord, we thank you for the ways that we have seen that from our moms, from our grandmas, from other mentors in our lives like Paul was for Timothy. And we thank you for that, God. In Jesus' name, amen.